what's up friends? Welcome to Rethinking Youth Ministry, where on a regular basis, we get to sit around a table with some friends and have conversations about ministry and about life. And it's a lot of fun. And sometimes it's challenging. And sometimes we agree. And sometimes we don't agree. And I love every single episode that I get to be a part of. And so I'm excited today to be around the circle with my friend Ashley. Hey. And Chef. Hey, everybody. And Candace. Hey, people. And Candace, this is your first episode of Rethinking Uh Youth Ministry podcast. So you have to tell all of us a little bit about yourself and why you're on this podcast. Just a little bit about myself, okay. So, um, born and raised in our great nation's capital, Washington, D.C. Um, I ventured on to go to Florida A&M University, go Rattlers, strike, strike, and strike again. Um, those who went to family <laughs> I will understand I what that means, but sounds like somebody does. <laughs> somebody that. does. They are yes. a relentless alma mater. Right. Strike, strike, and then right. strike again. Strike again. Yeah. And then I went on to um, receive a Master's of Divinity from the Candler School of Theology at Emory University, where those are just some of the most fantastic years of my life. I've been in youth ministry for the past 13 years. Um, I've been a next generation pastor, overseeing all grade level ministries. And now I am just joining the Orange Team. Spirit fingers. (laughs) We're very excited. So right right at the beginning of the year, Candace has joined uh, as an Orange Specialist yes. uh, with Orange Students XP3. So some of you that are listening yeah. are going to be lucky enough to have Candace as uh, as your OS eventually. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. so you'll see Candace, you'll hear from Candace probably more often now. And if you're not familiar with what an OS is, it means Orange Specialist. Basically, anytime you kind of join the Orange family or use an XP3 Orange student stuff, you get a free Orange Specialist who is just your coach to kind of walk like a along. trainer at the gym. Yeah, to yeah. hang out with you, to, to talk about, to hang out with you. We, we show up at your house unexpectedly. <laughs> just randomly. <laughs> I was like, with, wow. You just might. <laughs> Knocking on your door. With, OS a, there. with a VHS under one hand and popcorn <laughs> under the other. Um, <laughs> No, but we get to walk along. Yes, we help you understand the strategy, the content, but we also just want to have conversations about ministry, all that fun stuff. So you can actually go to findmyos.com to figure out who your orange specialist is if you're Brett not Brett Talley's sure. one of those as well. Yeah. That's right. All right. So today we're going to be having a conversation about this idea of Sunday school or small groups. And these two words probably spark something specific in you, and it might be because of an experience you had growing up. I don't know. Some yeah. People tend to be a little bit passionate one way or the other with this kind of thing. And it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. If I say small group to you, there's probably something that you think of that might be different than yeah. something that I think yeah. of when I, when I say Sunday school, it might be the same. Mm-hmm. So right. as we first start this conversation and jump in, we all have different experiences. So I want us to clarify a little bit. So let's start with Sunday school. So when you think of Sunday school, what do you think of? My great grandmother. Yeah, what was her name? Anise Ross. Anise Ross. Nice. My grandma. My great grandmother was an avid Sunday school attendee. Mm-hmm. I mean, she she took tests and she got all A's on everything. Which, and they, they had they got grades they at got their Sunday grades. school. Yes. Well, the, wow. The term school. Yeah. You know. It and then I sense. think of, I think of being a child. And did you all? I don't know how many of you all really participated in Sunday school. I didn't really do too much participation. Um, Long story there. But I remember having these books that were like not necessarily white, but they weren't necessarily like beige. They were like these... (laughs) 
this off tan. Yeah, that sure. A possible color. And the paper was really, really, really thin. And if you erase too hard. Rip right through it. Rip, rip yeah. right through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. A lot of information, information yeah. overload. Yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking. I was like, to me, Sunday school was not only just for children, it was for adults as well. I remember cinder blocks and folding chairs, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but, you know, for the adults, they basically picked by topic. Mm-hmm. And for the kids, you were, you know, it was more of a curriculum based deal. Again, it was more schoolish. Yeah. That was what it was about, about covering, which isn't bad. Yeah. And I'd also say, you know, as I visit churches, there are lots of them that say they have a Sunday school program that I would say is more of a small group. Yeah. Mm. By my definition, and several people who say they're a small group ministry, <laughs> and Sunday I'm school. like, this is just Sunday school. Yeah. So, and I say just Sunday school, not to rip it, but, you know. Yeah. I got in trouble years ago for a blog called Killing Sunday School. <laughs> Ooh. And yeah. I got some pretty, got some heavy hitters coming on that blog, <laughs> actually. Um, and we can explain what that means later, but. Anyway, I'm just trying to be careful. I it's understand. A, it's, a, it's a really important word. Yeah. So I, or grouping of words. For me, <laughs> I actually was, I, I don't know if I was ever part of Sunday school. Mm-hmm. Not that I remember. But the first thing I think of when I think of Sunday school is school and like learning <laughs> about the Bible or yeah. like, like that's the textbook yep. kind of thing. That's what I think of. Yeah. Yeah, for me, when I think through Sunday school, and obviously some of this has to do with me growing up, some of this has to do with my years in ministry, uh, but I think of a classroom. I think of a transfer of information. Yeah. Um, I think that the, you know the goal is met if the student knows the information that the teacher shared with them yep. that yep. day. Yep. If they leave, and if they knew that, then the goal of Sunday school mm-hmm. was, was achieved that day. Yep. The, you Books know, of the Bible, yeah. Ten Commandments. So any conversations or questions that did happen, they were about recall, not necessarily application or exploration or what does what does this look like for you? What does this mean for you? Yeah. And any other pieces in your, how would you kind of define Sunday school or in your context, what, what conjures up when you hear that word? Well, it happens on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So, or it's, sh- you know, it should, or it's not Sunday yeah. school. <laughs> so there's that. And I mean, it feels like what happens before church or, you know, Something like that. I'm yeah. just throwing things out. My dad taught it, which was interesting. Well, and that, age groups, you know, they were, we yeah. were separated as, you know, again, it was like middle through high school and there were like seven of us. Yeah. And so. one of the first ways within the church where people are divided by, what well, tr- historically speaking, yeah. have been divided by age and have been fed information and, and walked along a path of trying to enhance your personal relationship with God, your understanding of something. Um, I don't think necessarily that Sunday school is a bad thing at all. I think that it it has been essential in doing what it has needed to do over time through the means in which we knew how to do it. Yeah. Well, Sunday school originally started, I mean, hundreds mm-hmm. and hundreds of years ago because Kids weren't getting educated. Right. They weren't able to go to school. They were working in factories, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The church saw a need, and they were like, "What are we going to do?" And it was actually school. Exactly. And yeah. so they, exactly. it was about it was about learning how to read. It was about you know literacy and learning some basic reading, writing, yeah. and arithmetic. Yeah, school and school skills, and then exactly catechism, understanding some really basic biblical principles. So you know one of the one of the pieces here, kind of chef, going back to what you said about you know Sunday school happens on Sundays. There's kind of two pieces here, is one is there's sort of just a model of ministry 
that we could kind of call Sunday school, where it's yeah. it is the there's a teacher, there's they they're trying to transfer information. The goal is met when they check the things off the right. box. They know certain things. And to be honest, there are some Sunday school ministries that happened on Wednesday nights that happened on, you know, whenever it is. But, you know, the phrase that we're going to be using is Sunday school when we're kind of talking about that that mode of ministry that started off trying to meet a need that communities had, that the church was trying to step in and meet that need. And, you know, now to me, the question is. Is, is there is there a different need that we should be meeting that we're still trying to meet a need that wasn't necessarily isn't necessarily still still an issue? Yeah. So moving on to small group, when you hear small group, what what comes to mind? What do you think of? How do you define that? I think it's more groups together. I can you know more comfortable with each other relationally. I'm thinking. I'm thinking it's less about. It's more about wrestling with information than just a one-way conversation yeah. or, you know, uh, what did you say? You said information transfer. Yeah. This is kind of like, I feel like it's more information in internalization yeah. in some ways. Um, it's a little more practical. We talk about how we wrap what we've learned yeah. around and what we've learned is so important. You know, that's the one thing that I, I want to make sure folks understand or people understand when I'm talking about a group-based ministry, content is still so important mm. in strategy when it comes to what we're going to talk about and what we're going to teach from scripture. But this is just a different approach yeah. to, you know, I don't think there's a test as much as there's a discussion. Yeah. Stuff like that. Kids stay together maybe the longer. Yeah. Is a good way to think about it. I don't know. Ash? Yeah. Know? I would also say just kind of piggybacking off what you're saying. It's, it's the application of the information that you're talking about. So it's not just... Like, this is what happened in a story, and yeah. this is who said it. It's, what does that have to do with me, and yeah. how do I apply it to my life? Relationship is is king in a small group um, with with the leader, with each other, and, like, just doing more like life together yeah. rather than a curriculum together. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what, you know, to me, kind of some of the words that I said, it's not necessarily about you know, recall and transfer of information, but it's about application. It's about exploration. It's about asking questions. It's about really trying to figure out what, what this is and what this means for me. And it's a little bit less about checking, checking off boxes. I think a huge piece too, uh, the difference is the leader, you know, Sunday school teachers, again, you know, there are going to be exceptions to this. I can probably even think of a couple exceptions, but in general, with the idea of a Sunday school teacher is they've committed to a program. Uh, Like you were saying, sometimes that's a a year long curriculum, whatever that is, but they've committed to pass this information on to another group. Small groups is a completely different scenario to me as a strategy where we're trying to put an adult who's going to walk through not just even one year, but a, a, a season, a phase of life yeah. with, with kids and with but students. But they're committing to students, not exactly. content. Yep. So, so, yeah. so they're committing to relationships yeah. and not necessarily they're committing to a program. And you're not really asking them to commit to being the one who passes that information on, right. but you're asking them to be the one who commits to walk alongside of them as as a ministry and as a group, we explore these ideas where, that, that we want to use to help them discover their faith. Right. I think also in Sunday school, it's like a clearer 
like it's much clearer if it's successful because it's like how did how did they do on the test? Yeah, it's like it's like almost like a black and white. Is it going well? Is it not? Where I feel like in small group, sometimes it's like more it's, ambiguous. Yeah, of like it's how tricky. is this working well? Like right. ha- have we seen an outcome yet, or is it still ten years down the road that that's going to happen? Yeah, you yeah. know, like so I feel like sometimes it's like the comfort of how quick do you want to see results, or how long do you want the results to last? Yeah, I think it also depends upon. I think with. With the, we laughed about my, my great grandmother taking tests in Sunday school, but I think that even still within small groups, you still take tests, but the tests are more real life mm. out in the world and not necessarily within the confines of a classroom. You know, when you're in Sunday school, you still have those same tests, but you might not necessarily know how to apply the knowledge of the Ten Commandments or the knowledge of the Beatitudes into a day to day scenario if you're being bullied in the hallway at school. Right. Yeah. The whole turn the other cheek. How do you really do that? You know. Yeah. But through a small group dialogue conversation, you might develop those practical strategies, like Chef was saying, that you know how to engage in those things when you're out in the real world. You're mm-hmm. out in, in the in the um, out in school and class, whatever the case might be. And it might come back and be a conversation of small group and it might not. So your small group leader, your teacher might never know that you passed this test in the real world, but you learned something within a small group that was able to help you in order to live like Jesus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that with both, we kind of talked about this a little bit with both Sunday school and small group there, there is this sense of, of grouping people in my experience again, the way that people get grouped together in small groups is far more strategic than it is in in Sunday school. A lot of times in Sunday school, it's just like, okay, if you're between these whatever ages, you're over here in this group and it's kind of everybody mixed. And in small groups, a lot of times being in, okay, it's the eighth grade girls or it's the ninth grade boys, if the groups are able to do that, or it's, you know, the middle school boys that are together, whatever it is that makes it a little bit easier to really be able to walk through seasons together, to have the the phase specific conversations that that we really need to have. Uh, Crystal, who's a part of the Orange Students team, you guys have probably heard podcasts that she's been on. Um, she shares this story about growing up when she was eleven. She was in a Sunday school class with a twenty five year old oh, man. Wow. <laughs> Creepy, <laughs> awkward. Like, what do you t- what do you talk about to right. an eleven year old girl and a twenty five year old man? Like, wh- how? Like, in what ways is that? But if it's just about the information, right? Yeah, then it doesn't. True. Then does it really yeah, matter? Right. Right. Yeah. So, so to me, there, there, there's a, a bit of strategy that's a little bit different when it comes to small groups. With who are we trying to put together in these communities? What's the what's the purpose of that? I think if you're if you're in a church and you are able to be as strategic within small groups, then yeah, some of that strategy might really work. But not all churches are able to really be as strategic when it comes to to uh, dividing up small groups. You might have yeah. to have, hey, the, all middle school kids come together right over here. Yep. It might be 20 of us, but guess what? We only have one or two volunteers. Yeah. So we have to have everybody together, you know? And I think that's where that fine line might come into play because there's this, this, this ideal model of how small groups should be that isn't always lived out and executed. Yeah. So for the people who aren't able to live in this utopia of a small group, that strategy may have to come in a different kind of way. How? I don't know. You yeah. know, it's context, contextual. Yeah. Um, but 
I think it's just important to note that not everybody's living in this, you, these utopias where you have, hey, I've got this group of sixth grade girls right. that I'm only dealing with. Oh, yeah, with that's rare. Because it's not. But I do right. think yeah. when they do hit middle school, if you have four kids and you have three boys and a girl, that you have to find a way to keep the boys and the girl, you know, that there is a gender thing at the mm-hmm. very least there. And you've got to go work hard to find volunteers mm-hmm. to cover that. Yep. And, you know, and then after gender, then you can start to think grades Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. after grades then you can start to think schools yeah Mm -hmm. but if if you're going to grow to that point but most churches in america are going to be lucky to have a middle school guys a middle school girls group and a high school guys and high school girls group but if you can do it which i think everybody can it's not you know it's a matter of i gotta find enough volunteers yeah it's a lot of vision casting it's it's kind of changing the expectation of what we're actually trying to do in youth ministry there's a lot of those different pieces but even at the beginning of that when we are in that situation in ministry which we are sometimes where i've got a group of 20 kids and i've got two adults what do i do yeah even the mindset change of we are not this is this is not a transfer information strategy this is a community small group strategy those adults understanding that mind shift change it's hard work cre- creates too. creates a completely yeah. different where it it i'm not just your sunday school teacher when you show up here on wednesdays right. but i'm your small group leader on a right. tuesday on a thursday on a saturday yeah. i'm right. trying to stay in touch with you i'm trying to ca- stay That's connected right. with you to understand your life outside of the hour you know right. a week or the hour a month that that i actually have with you you know i um it's so interesting you say you've got to change that mindset and it is such a long hard job to change that mindset for people who are there i mean um in my previous life i was at north point and we decided to move we didn't move away from the sunday school system and and if you're if you feel like we're bashing on sunday school and you're stuck in it i don't want you to hear that i just i want you to hear a strategic conversation not hey this is what we call it if i you know i understand Sometimes it's not wise to change the name of it, but you can change the strategy within yeah. it. But to give you an example, I was working at a church who had, who was a reaction to kind of the, the Baptist system, I guess mm-hmm. you would say. And so we moved away from the term Sunday school to a small group based strategy. But, you know, to give you an example, like years in, we didn't even realize, you know, we still call the small group leaders piece of paper that they pick up the lesson. You know yeah. what I mean? It was like right. that stuck. And for some reason, none of us noticed it. And people are still asking for their lesson. But at the same time, I'm <laughs> telling them, hey, you're not a teacher. We're going to take care of the teacher, you know, part in here. You're a, you're supposed to lead a discussion. So it fi- we finally changed, you know, to the discussion guy yeah. or things like that. So, but, you know, back on the Sunday school thing, like I believe you can have a Sunday school that uses a group strategy. Yeah. So it's not an either or thing. However, most of the time, that's how it's usually brought up so hence the title of our little podcast yeah yeah i I think to me it's it it does it all comes down to strategy what are we what are we trying to accomplish Um, i mean a regular conversation that i have with youth pastors is okay talk me through what are all the programs you're responsible for in a week yeah which depending on the youth ministry is going to range from one to four um, which if you're one of those that are a three to four program a week sort of people, we are, we're, we're praying for you even right <laughs> yeah. now. God bless um, you. And so having the conversation, okay, what's everything that you are responsible for? And tell me what you're trying to achieve with each of these, like some really basic strategy conversations. Okay, so Sunday mornings, you have to have a Sunday morning program. I get it. I, I've been to churches where I had to have a program on Sundays. It wasn't an option. Right. I, I, 
pushed and I tried and I mm -hmm. gave feedback and evidence and it was just, it was what it was. I had to have a program on Sunday morning. Okay, what am I, what's my strategy? What am I trying to achieve? All right, I've got something on Sunday nights or I've got something on Wednesday nights. What are we, what are we trying to achieve? So if we, if we throw all terms out the window, small groups, yeah. Sunday school. That might be a better place to start. Whatever it is. Actually it is, yeah. I think yeah. the real question is, what are some of the most effective things yeah. that we can do to create the most impact possible with the amount of time that we have with students? Brett, I love the idea of removing both terms because we can still have a small group strategy with like a Sunday yeah. school characteristic, right? Yeah. And so I love getting rid of both of those phrases and just talking about like what needs to exist yeah. for this to be helpful for what's best for our teenagers. Yeah. And you know, and I think to your, to your point, both of your point, regardless of what you call it, at the end of the day, the desire for leaders is still the same. Yeah. Hmm. The, the desire, the, the desire take home, the desired outcomes, the bottom lines, whatever you want to call it. Everyone really, really wants the same thing. The students to be discipled in a certain capacity to develop lifelong disciples. Yeah. Which I had some really interesting conversations as, as, as I was kind of transitioning out of my last church um, before I started on staff here. We were starting to have, again, some broader conversations of how, we, how we've done programming. And as I'm transitioning out, is that a helpful time for us to start thinking about, okay, should there be any transitions in the programming, whatever. And we, we got to Sunday mornings and there was so much pushback from a lot of our volunteers about we've got to do something on Sunday mornings. You know, we got to do something on Sunday mornings. Well, what are they going to do if we don't have something on Sunday mornings? And to what you're saying, I think that one of the pieces that was the most helpful was eventually we got everything down to kind of the level ground of saying, we all want the same thing. We all want these students to be everything that God created them to be. We all want them to have a thriving faith as they go through middle school, as they go through high school, that their faith is prepared for whatever whatever is next for them. And people that grew up in a certain system have assumptions that what is best for their child or their grandkids or whatever is got to be close to what was best for me or what right. my experience yeah. was when in reality there's there's a shift there and it's it's not necessarily creating the most amount of of influence impact for their faith it'd be interesting to ask folks looking back what do you wish you would have had mm. on top of that and i bet mm. there would be a lot of opportunity to talk opportunity to wrestle with some things some closer relationships yeah. i mean you know and so you know, this is just, again, it's the terms don't matter as much, but you know, what we know from our phase stuff, you know, in the middle and high school, especially kids are looking for affirmation from other adults besides their parents, small groups, a perfect opportunity to give them some of those guides, yep. um, and the church to really equip them and give them a plan. And then, you know, they're looking as they get older for that, those relationships with each other and their peers. And so again, can we give them what they need, right. which is actually what they want, Yeah, which is a huge advantage for the church, you know, and give them the content that they need as they're, as they're going. I think it's, it's a huge idea. Totally. In, in case you're not familiar with what the face stuff is that Chef mentioned, we're going to yeah. put a link in the show notes to get Good you information call. about all that stuff. And then don't plan anything for your next week because you're <laughs> going to want to really dive into that stuff because yeah. it's unbelievable. Speaking of resources, I was going to actually bring up a book that... 
chef co-wrote called lead small, which Mm -hmm. is like one of our small group leader training resources that we have here. And one of my favorite things in that resource is how it talks about every teenager needs a place to belong and someone to belong to. And I think regardless if that happens on Sunday morning or Wednesday night or whenever, like that needs to be a priority. Like who is their circle of people who they're going to notice if you're not there, not because they are judging you, but because they care about you. So let's go back to the strategy conversation. So no matter how many times you meet, whatever, thinking about, okay, what's the purpose of each time that we meet? So some of the statistics that we throw around at Orange is on average, we're going to have about 40 hours in a year with the the normal student in your ministry. We can Mm -hmm. all think of the one that we've got way more than 40, but we can all think (laughs) of the ones that we have way less than 40 too. So just as a baseline, around 40 hours a year with the average student. So I'd love to hear some of your thoughts. I mean, Ashley, that's kind of what led to this, exactly what you said right there. So if we've got 40 hours a year with a student and we want to help them become everything God created them to be in this phase of their life, what are some of the most important things Again, throwing, throwing out when this happens, what we call this out the window, what are just the most important things that you think that we could and should be doing with those 40 hours? I always say this one phrase, um, like when somebody says something about me, I'm like, oh, it feels good to be known. Mm-hmm. It's like, I love saying that, but it's so true. Like it's a human thing, yeah. right? We all want to be known. And the only way to know a teenager is to actually know a teenager, yeah. right? <laughs> like spend time with them and get to know what they like, what they don't like. And that really doesn't happen that often in a like a school setting yeah. as much as a hangout, let's do life together kind yeah. of setting. So that's kind of the vibe I feel like that needs to exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Jesus made it clear, you know, like love God, love yourself, love others, or love others as yourself, or just love as I have loved you. Like those are some of the things that you need to be in mm-hmm. a community yeah. in order to do. And you can love, you know, someone who you don't know by serving them. But some of the hardest people to love are the people who are closest to us, that where we really know each other, we really dig in. And those are huge, important um, things for a kid to experience as they're growing up. I think this is the place where kids develop an authentic and real faith. Mm. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes, I, I, you know, I've said it a few times, but I may have said it on this podcast, but I think it's easier for a kid to get on a plane and go to Uganda sometimes than it is to let a kid sit next to them on the bus, mm-hmm. you know, and sacrifice their identity or whatever it is at school for that. And this is where we're going to wrestle with those sorts of things is what does it look like to love other people in their context? Yeah. And it's, it's hard work, Yeah, you know, and it's growing work and it's a process, you know, you're not going to learn it one Sunday and check it off. Yeah. You're going to wrestle with it. Good. So I want to chime in here. I think that what everyone is saying here is so um, essential because I think it really just gets down to relationship. You know, some of the the people who, some of the ways that I have seen personally my life transformed and my faith just take off the most have been through relationship mm-hmm. and the people who have walked with me, you know? And if we are in a position to really, like both of you, Ashley and Chef, and even Brett have said, if we're able to develop those, re- play students in, the, in a position for to be known, you know, um, and to be safe, regardless yeah. of whether you're on an airplane to Uganda or yeah. whether you're riding on the school bus, you know, then we're equipping them because a lot of times, 
you know, as, as students struggle with identity, you know, mm-hmm. as they struggle with understanding their faith, you know, they need a safe place in order to have those conversations. Yeah. And if we're develop, if we're putting students within relationships where you're a relationship where they're able to have that safe place and, and that Genesis two twenty five be naked and unashamed, mm with what your thoughts are, your feelings are, then you're able to, to, they're able to open up and, um, and really get to the core of what they, what they authentically believe, you know, um, without it just being, this is what you believe. Yeah. No, this is what I believe Yeah. Yeah. because this is what I have wrestled with. This is what I have processed. This is what I have experienced. This is what I know to be true. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, to, to me, you know, one of the ways that I, kind of answer that question is I want students to have the skills and the opportunity to think critically about, about their faith. Um, I, I would rather a, a 12th grader graduate and move on to whatever's next, having an understanding of, of how to do that and still having some big questions than someone graduating and just saying like, I checked all, I checked all the boxes. I should, I should be good to go. Um, and so some of that has to happen through content. Like we're, you know, it, we're not talking about there should be no teaching or there shouldn't be any sort of, you know, strategy for content delivery. Like we have to, we have to teach the right things at the right time, but we also have to create space for them to figure out what this looks like for them and what this means for them and to mm-hmm. be able to push back and say, but that doesn't make any sense to me in my context because mm-hmm. here's yeah. what I'm hearing and I don't know how to do that or I don't know what that means for me in you know 2019. Mm-hmm. I think it's good. I don't know if this has a lot to do. I was just thinking while Candace was talking, I think if you ask most people like, tell me about your favorite teacher, they talk about the teacher, they don't talk about the content, they don't talk about, they talk about that that teacher actually leaned in. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, the small group strategy is, hey, we're trying to give every kid their favorite teacher when it comes to faith. Yeah, You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it's not just the content, and the content's so important. I mean, gosh, that's what we do yeah. for a living, sitting around this table, <laughs> right, is pr- provide content. but. It's, you know, it's the relationship that's not the point, but it is the most effective vehicle yep. for a kid to get the content, not just know it, but get it, you well, know, and, and, and keep it. Well, the quote of, you know, a, a student isn't necessarily going to remember what you tell them, but they're going to remember how you made them feel. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing. Yeah. And if they remember how you made them feel, there's a way better chance they are going to remember mm-hmm. what, what you told them or the conversation that you had. Um, and then it's the, also the Brett, uh, a student doesn't care what you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. And they all play in, They all play in hand in hand. Absolutely. And that's why well, we... Wait, while we're on quotes, yeah, I've got go. one now too, okay? <laughs> yes, Is this a song? No, it's not a song, okay. but I was thinking about what Reggie always says. I think it's Reggie, so well, I'll re-say this if it's not. But when he says um, that you don't want to just know the story of God, but you want to know your role in the story of God. And like, that's the opportunity we have with teenagers, regardless of when we're meeting. But like, that is how we coach our volunteers is help them know their role Mm -hmm. in the story of God, because just knowing the story isn't what makes them fall in love with it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One of the ways I heard somebody on, uh, on these curriculum teams, I don't remember who it was that said this, but when, when talking about 
you know, why, why we develop things the way that we do as far as like a large group, large group teaching. And then we go into small groups. They say that that story time, that large group teaching is what we want them to remember, but groups is how they're going to remember that because of the relationships they have in the groups, because of the relationship they have with, with the adult and and hopefully the trust that they have and whoever their leader or leaders are in the conversations that they're leading them. in. we want them to remember what was spoken to them, what was taught to them, but the way that it's going to make sense to them, the way that it's going to get filed in their brain is through that conversation that they have, mm-hmm. figuring out what does this look like for me? What does this look like for us? And there's a difference in, in the way you recruit volunteers for, for oh, that for mindset. Sure. Oh, gosh. You know, it's not even just what happens with yes. the students, but the, the adults that you put in the life of teenagers is different mm-hmm. depending on how you're approaching it. Like yep. you're looking for either teachers who can communicate a message or you're mm-hmm. looking for people who can cheer a person on, you know? Mm-hmm. And as a teacher who was in a public school at the time, volunteering in a ministry is one of my favorite things to do because it was, you know, I was told don't get too close. Don't, you know, Mm. don't hug a kid. Don't do. And it was just so nice on Sunday just to have Mm -hmm. like, these are my, you know, 12 boys yeah, or 35 boys, you know, (laughs) depending on how small your small group is. But you know, and my job is to just lean in relationally and someone else is going to take the tea or in our strategy, it was someone else took the teaching, you know? In, in the same scenario, I was a teacher while I was leading a small group as well. And I so badly wanted to get away from the school mindset because in school, it's like the teacher standing up there. They're the expert in the room and they're going mm. to, you know, tell you what you need to know where in my small group, I'm like, some of my students were my students in the school. So I'm like, no, no, no. Like I'm learning too. Like, I'm not necessarily the expert totally in this. Like, I want to learn from you as you're learning from me and let's do life together. And like, Mm -hmm. it was so, it's such a shift for how the students see you. Um, And I think that's when they started opening up was, oh, this is totally different than when Miss Bohens is in the classroom, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. All right. So we're, we're talking a lot about how wonderful small groups are, but they're not easy and they're really challenging. What are some of the downsides of this sort of a strategy that we're talking about? Well, I think you kind of hit it. They're not, it's not easier for sure. It's not easier to find volunteers. The quality of small group is the quality of the, you know, based yeah. on the quality. It's a bigger volunteers. ask too. You've got, yes, it is. When you're asking for a commitment to a group of kids versus a commitment to, you know, a program. covering information. Yeah. It's a tougher ask for sure. And then, you know, it just gets messier because it's, uh, honestly, it's. I feel like in the context of those relationships, you're going to find things, you know, you're going to have counselor referrals, you're going to have all kinds yep. of, you know, it's going to get a little bit messy because good ministry is messy, Yeah, you know, so. It also makes me think about a lot of the Gen Z research coming out about like how this generation is Bible illiterate and um, is that a okay thing or is that really a dangerous thing? Because to me, I'm thinking back to like, when Sunday school originated, it was because there was a need in the community, as you mentioned, Brett, but like, is that still a need? Mm. You know, because like, we're looking at all this research right now and they don't know what the Bible says. And if they are a post-Christian generation, that means, I don't know, I guess I'm trying to wrestle with that in my mind. Like, I I mean, obviously I believe in small groups, but like, I get what you're trying to say, Ashley. And my thoughts are the same as yours because it's so important for students to have just that 
some, a certain degree of concrete biblical knowledge, right? Having an app on your phone and being able to scroll through and or even alphabetizing the books of the Bible and right. finding it is great, right? But say if you're in, in a hospital bed and you've only you've got is a tangible Bible and you're like, oh, there's something my small group believe you should tell me about. Yeah. And you, you can go to the table of contents and find the, you know, in order. But there, there's something about having a tangible Bible and knowing how to navigate it, right? Yeah. Knowing, hey, this is the book, this is the chapter, this is the verse. Um, knowing that, hey, this is the Old Testament. The Old Testament is a great, huge part of the story of the Israelites. You know, the New Testament, Jesus comes on the scene and he doesn't necessarily knock out all that stuff, but he emphasizes love over laws, you know? And there's some concrete knowledge, biblical knowledge, faith knowledge, religious knowledge that students really, really need to have. And I'm not saying that they don't get that in small groups. I think that it's just through small groups, it comes out through more conversation wise and mm -hmm. not necessarily teaching wise. So students still get the information they're learning, but they don't necessarily realize that they are learning, you know, that. um, but through some traditionalists who might who have been and been around for a while and and Sunday school is what you know, you know, um, you might hear small groups and just be automatically turned off because you think, hey, my child is not getting the black and white, the tangibles of their faith is necessary. Yeah. I mean, you can go, you can push anything to the extreme. The extreme of Sunday mm -hmm. school is it turns people off faith because it's rigid and it's more about knowledge and has nothing to do with personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There's no community, there's no relationship, whatever. And you can go, there are some small groups that are just social groups and there's there's really nothing spiritual that's happening and there's some relational connectivity and, and there's some you know helpful pieces that go along with that. But if... If the goal, I, I think I heard somebody say this. I don't remember who this was. It was at an Orange conference. They were uh, doing a breakout, and they said that their 11-year-old's small group leader came up to them and said, "Hey, what's going on? I'm a small group leader. I'm just really, I'm, I'm really looking forward to being friends with, you know, with your son." And the guy thought to himself, like. My 11-year-old son doesn't need a 40-year-old friend. Right. He needs a spiritual leader mm -hmm. in, in, in his life. So if we swing the pendulum too far on the other side, yeah. it's, it's just a, a social piece, which, again, can still be helpful in some ways, but that's not what we want it to do. We want it to be a, a spiritual community mm -hmm. that helps to be able to have those kind of conversations. And that is hard to do because you can probably find one person who's comfortable in having theological conversations or diving into some of those things with a, a group of people. But now you've got small group leaders, multiple small group leaders per group that you're trying to recruit. And how many of us are comfortable yeah. having theological conversations when people are asking their really difficult questions about their doubt right. and jumping into that? How do we, how do we equip adults? Like, that's just really challenging. It's, it's, it's not as hard to hand someone a lesson plan and say, hey, talk about this to this group of people, yeah. it's really difficult to equip people to be comfortable with living in that mess, to yeah. not overteach, to not over, you know, to, to retell the story in your own words because you're uncomfortable with a silence with a group of seventh graders because they're right. not answering the questions that you're, that you're trying to talk through. So to, there, is, there is that pendulum that could swing to either side if we're not careful as leaders who are trying to lead these groups where it's it's just a social thing and there and you know there is no you know to me biblical literacy is just one of those words where i don't know what people mean when they yeah, you when they say them. that yeah and so sure. i like it's yeah. hard for me to know with something like that like 
is biblical literacy understanding what well, the Bible is in your relationship to the Bible. Tell right. me what you mean by deeper. You yeah. <laughs> but um, I totally hear what you're saying is that there is this yeah. there is this fear that happens yeah. Uh, of yeah. I don't just want my my kids to go and and hang out with people their own age yeah. and be friends. That's great. Yeah. But what what are they learning about their faith about their spirituality that is helping them become yeah. everything God created them to be. And one of the hardest parts I think of group and I'm a you know, can be a control freak sometimes. And I know exactly how I want it to be said, yeah. you know, and I've got to let go of that. Yeah. You know, and that's hard. That's really hard sometimes. So you've got your opportunity to say some things and teach, you know, hopefully you do and say it a certain way, but you've got to just say, you know what? God's got lots of ways and lots of approaches. Yeah. And mine's not always the right way. And then if you can do it, Again, this is just my experience. I would always step back and just be surprised. Yeah. Like, wow, that was so much better than I ever yeah. could have done it. You know, so cool. But it's tough to do. Yeah. It's tough to do. And other pe- progress is ambiguous. You kind of mentioned that earlier, Ashley. Sometimes with, you know, if it's a, if it's a knowledge transfer sort of a strategy. Check you, the box. It's, it's pretty easy to set yeah. up some. Been covered. Okay. You can move on to the next thing. You're good. You can move. You understand these things. You know this. You've answered these questions, right? But spiritual yeah. growth is far more ambiguous than that in a small yeah. group sort of a model. I keep thinking back to the origin of Sunday school. Like you brought that up in the beginning. And it was developed as an answer, as you said, to a problem in that culture. But I, I remember reading about it. Now, this isn't fresh on the top of my brain, so I'm not going to have all these details, right? But I remember... It was for like poor and vulnerable children and who were working and Saturday was considered a work day. So Sunday was the only day of the week yeah. that was available. That's why it started then. But what they started noticing that as they started educating the kids that how they behaved during the work week changed mm. and it changed entire communities. Mm. So by educating those kids and they were the way they treated each other changed in the workplace. And I was reading the the book on it and I can't remember all the details. It was really good, but um, we can put a link in the show notes once I can remember what it was called. But <laughs> if Ashley remembers it, it'll be in the show. Well, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just sitting there thinking, listening as you talk, thinking like, if we make Sunday school or small group just about what happens in that circle or in those four walls, yeah. then we lose the beauty of what it was originally designed for anyways, yep. which was to come and help this generation learn how to read and write and educate them. So it changed how they were during the week, Absolutely. which is our goal, right? Yep. I have chills talking about it because I'm like, we, it's so easy to think that that's just what it's supposed to be yep. when from the very beginning, it was what we're saying right yeah. now. Yeah, Absolutely. Okay, so I want to transition us a little bit. So let's imagine we are a youth pastor who's a youth worker who's listening to this on the road in their office, and they're trying to figure out, okay, how can I transition from maybe a program that we have that seems to be not super exciting or it's knowledge transformation? It just isn't, it isn't something that they're super excited about with their ministry What's some advice that you would give them on how to transition into this sort of a strategy that we've been talking about, whether we call it small groups, no matter what we call it? I bet within your ministry, you already have leaders or teachers who are acting more like small group leaders. Mm -hmm. And those are some of the favorite, Mm -hmm. you know, classes, right? And I might start there and then start to encourage that sort of thing and talk about what would it look like and just start to dream. Don't change names. Don't, you know what I mean? What would it look like if, as a 
Sunday school teacher, you went with your kids for the year so that, yeah. you know, those relations, we don't throw out those, you know, it takes a kid a year to get used to you. And then we change a dog, yeah. you know, mm. what if you went with them? What sort of change, you know, get people excited about that idea. And then all of a sudden now they've, you've moved them from committing to teach a certain bit of information and some will push back and say, no, well, I know the yeah. fourth grade information, Yeah, you know, mm. and, um, and then start there and then, you know, hopefully someone asks what's going on here, yeah. you know, and then that gives you a little more of a, again, I wouldn't kick the door down and say, we need to stop <laughs> right. Right. Sunday school. If you're listening and you don't have volunteers yet, or, you know, it's just been you. Oh, wow. Um, I think one thing someone taught me once, I didn't think of this myself, someone great, I just can't remember who, but they said, ask the kids who they want to hang out with during the week. And then you personally call that person and say, Hey, I asked all the teenagers who, what adults they want in the room. And they said you, I mean, what adult can turn that down? I mean, (laughs) hello. I mean, start there. Or send a kid to him. Yeah. There you go. I actually (laughs) actually did that. Ashley. Well done. Well done. And it worked out phenomenal. (laughs) Guilted him. (laughs) Whatever works for the Holy spirit. Right. That's right. Any other advice you'd give somebody in this situation? Something that I would recommend is, you know, who's in your circle? Who are the other youth leaders, youth workers who you're connected with? Or even you might not necessarily be connected yeah. connected with them. You might just see their ministries yeah. from afar yeah. and you admire what they're doing. Sit down with them over coffee, you know, in the youth group room somewhere. Just sit down and pick their brains and get as much information as you can yeah. and see what it is that they do and see whatever insight that you can that you can gather from them and what you can implement easily. Some things might really be low hanging fruit for you to, yeah. to change up. Adding a game in might be something that's really, really easy that starts off just an icebreaker conversation piece. Yeah. And for how crazy some Facebook youth group uh, yeah. groups. Facebook youth group groups, whatever, might get. I've seen people post that kind of stuff all the time. Like, yeah. hey, I'm 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 trying to do this. Is there anybody out here that does this who'd be willing to have a conversation with me? Mm-hmm. And people are so willing to like, yeah, here's my email, reach out, we'll set up a time to chat. So finding those kind of people who have been there or are doing the same thing mm-hmm. that you want to do. Yeah. Yep. And every year in Atlanta, we do the Orange Conference where mm. people who think this way all gather to talk about how to do it better. And yeah. so for anybody who wants to go, uh, visit theorangeconference.com. And um, in fact, if you check the show notes, we are working on a discount code for you. Yeah. So um, it's a blast. It's a very okay. secret, hidden Easter egg sort of thing. Out Love there. it. So that's fun. <laughs> in the show notes for show whatever this is. Okay, so last question. Yeah. Uh, then we'll, can I say something? Yeah, go for it. You said advice for if yeah, I want to make keep it. going. Um, I would add it's going to be a slow process, yeah, so don't rush true. it. Um, people don't love change, and they love what they're comfortable with, and making sure your church leadership, your staff understands the why behind the shift, your key volunteers, the parents. like There's a whole chain of people that yeah. you need to communicate to before you make any shift. But it, you it, can do it. It was, it was, this is supposed to be a hopeful analogy. It was about two <laughs> years from when we launched small groups mm-hmm. to when I feel like that they, that they actually caught on. And I, I remember the moment. So we went to a state youth convention uh, every fall in Indiana. And the first two years during the Saturday night, you know, altar call, sort of, you know, there's a response time. I was the one, hey, will you go pray with? Adults are saying, hey, this person went forward. Would you go pray with them? Kids are grabbing me. Hey, will you come pray with blank? And then two years in, we're at 
this state youth convention and then it happened and nobody asked me anything. Mm. And I just walked around, I'm gonna get emotional even talking about it, because I still remember seeing all of the students mm -hmm. with their small group leaders. The small group leaders weren't looking to me to go pray the right prayer with them, but they, they, they owned that. There was yeah. a complete awesome. shift in the responsibility that they felt in, in yeah. that group. Yeah, that reminds me when we made a change, you know, the, when you present the gospel and you ask the kids to raise their hand or acknowledge or, yep whatever else, then the question is, then how do we follow up? Yep. And I remember vividly making the decision to have the kids bow their heads and have the leaders stand up. And then if you made a decision to make eye contact with their leader, yep. but I, I'll get emotional talking about it as well as my favorite moment every year, like to watch all these adults standing above their kids. And it was just powerful. Yeah. And then, like you said, like those discussions are going to happen for sure. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, but that was, that, that, that was years in till it even crossed our minds. Yeah. Hey, we should probably do this different <laughs> um, now that we've got these awesome, you know, leaders in the room. So, okay. So last question, and then we're going to wrap things up. What are some resources that you feel like could help someone have a, a, a better, broader understanding of, of this sort of strategy or help them transition into something like this? I know for me, um, the book Lead Small Culture. Yeah, Creating a Lead Small Culture. Creating yeah. a Lead Small Culture was was huge in me understanding um, how I, as a ministry leader, had to structure something in yeah. order for the small groups to be what they needed to be. Like, how did I need to train? How did I need to equip? What were the, you know, the structural things that I never thought about? Yeah. And it really challenged me. So I loved that resource. Absolutely. And the book Lead Small that kind of goes along with that. So creating a lead small culture is kind of for the, the key leader who's going to be the one creating that culture. Mm -hmm. And then if anyone comes up to you and they say, hey, I'm interested in being involved in youth ministry, or if you go up to that person, all the teenagers said that they voted that they wanted to hang out <laughs> with them, you give them that book. And you help cast that vision to them of, hey, here's mm -hmm. here's what we're looking. We're not looking for someone to show up and teach. We're not looking for somebody to to show up and make sure nobody leaves early or put the tables up. Here is what we're looking for. Being able to have some of those kind of things written out where people can read. It's quick. It's super helpful to cast that vision. Mm -hmm. I think one other thing to think about is just your resources. Like resources for years were so communicator focused, you know, like, what am I going to say to the kids as yeah. opposed to how are we going to set the kids up for great conversations with this information? So if you can find, you know, Ashley works on what I think is the best curriculum out there for that, but it's a groups based curriculum, yeah. which is, you know, built for speakers to set small group leaders mm -hmm. up for success and make sure the small group leaders have the information, which is often the hardest part of right. right. Everybody says, I write my own stuff. I'm like, well, you'd like, and you should, you should say the thing if you can say those things, but tell me about your group's guides, yeah. you know, tell me about those sorts of things. Those are often the harder things to do to get great questions. And I know Ashley wrestles with that a ton. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I would say Candace and you and Brett probably get asked about how these small group guides are written a lot. I know that it comes up a lot in our groups or emails, but if you notice on the guides, if you've ever seen one, maybe we can attach one in the notes as well, a small group guide yeah. as a sample. But um, the questions aren't recall questions. They're questions that are open-ended that don't necessarily have a right or wrong answer because our philosophy is the that helps shut conversations down or right. is kind of a scares the kids to engage Absolutely. in it because they don't want to be wrong in front of their friends. So they're open-ended questions. They, they call for debate and questioning and yep. stories and experiences and, and doubts and, and 
hopefully you've created a safe enough place for that conversation to take off. And then there's the application piece is that small group guide is based around how can I apply what I just learned, not recall what I just learned. Mm -hmm. And I know that we try to walk a a fine line. We love what we do. We create a a curriculum and a resource called XP3 for churches. And we don't want, we didn't create this podcast as a way to get people Mm -hmm. to just know more about that and buy that. This isn't a promo for, for that. But at the same time, we're so passionate about what we do because we believe in how helpful it can be into ministries. Yeah. I'm not saying that as someone who works from Orange. I'm saying that as someone who used this stuff for six years before he ever worked from yeah, Orange and right. saw the way that it, it completely helped transition that ministry to yeah. what we're trying to do. So if you're interested in, in, in taking a look at that or talking about that, you can go to uh, tryxp3free.com. Um, you can email me at brett, B-R-E-T-T, at thinkorange.com, and we can have conversations about what that looks like or what transitioning to a ministry like this looks like, whatever. But having those kind of resources available to you make it so much easier easier to to, to have these kind of transitions happen because you're building these foundations and structures that all point that direction to begin with. One one thing that I'd add on to that, this isn't necessarily a resource, but it's it's something that I started doing with some of our small group leaders. And it was, so you have the groups and then you have the small group leaders creating a small group amongst the small group leaders where you're journeying through whatever the content a month in advance. So you started out a month early and the small group leaders are navigating through this conversation amongst themselves. So what that does is it provides an opportunities for the small group leaders to create a culture amongst themselves. Mm -hmm. So when they're, um, then they start wrestling with it a little bit earlier. So they got a little more thoughts about it. They processed it a little bit more than just having it the night before, you know, or getting it the Sunday morning of, and you're trying to, or the Wednesday night, you know, you're trying to share with the students. But I found that to be very, very helpful because it created an overall culture within the ministry um, amongst the students that trickled on down. Yeah. I mm, love that. I think I'd add just the general idea. You, you use the term easier. It makes it easier. And I'm always cautious with people when yeah. I say that because it's like, hey, using orange doesn't make your life easier. And in some ways it makes it more challenging, because, but we're going to make you more effective, you which go. is going to lead you to the ministry you've probably dreamed about, yeah. you know, I mean, or, or the, the sort of things that you, you're hoping to deal with. So, you know, I, I, I also say this isn't for everybody. <laughs> like yeah. if you're just checking a box, which you're probably not listening to this, if that's the case. So <laughs> at least at they're this not point. listening. Our audience isn't that way, but, um, just be careful with the word easier because it, it could be more challenging, yeah. but it's going to be more effective. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, if you're still listening an hour or so in, thank you for being a part of this conversation. We'd love to hear your thoughts too. Uh, You can join us at XP3 Partners. That's our Facebook group. We'd love to have you jump in to join this conversation. Like I said, don't hesitate to to reach out to us. If you want to further this conversation, if you want to talk about specifically in your context, what, what would this what would this kind of a transition look like for you? I'm I'm game. Let's let's have that conversation. So thank you so much. I hope you have an awesome day. Ashley, Chef, and Candace, thanks for hanging out. Candace, your first one. Way to go. You've done I survived. it. You did. Congratulations. Thank you guys. Have a great day. Peace out.